Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, and I am delighted and proud to be your host, here to guide you and support you on the path to successful retail transformation. And I'm also feeling a little extra proud at the moment, having recently been recognised as one of the top retail influencers in the world. Thank you very much to the team at Rethink Retail. So thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 169, number 169. And today we are diving into one of the hot trends that is around right at the moment, Q-commerce or quick commerce. Now I'm sure you've all heard about ultra fast deliveries. Perhaps you are even a regular customer in the Q-commerce space. So in this episode, we're going to dive into this whole area, explore more about what Q-commerce is and how it works and whether it's for you as well. Now, quick heads up, this is going to be a two-part episode. So part one is today and you have to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you can come back in the next episode, in episode 170, and join me as we complete our look at the world of Q-commerce. So do hit subscribe button in your favourite podcast app or head over to the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 169. That's www.obandco.uk slash 169. And there you'll be able to subscribe for the Retail Transformation Briefing, which is my weekly email newsletter highlighting the key trends and changes and headlines from the world, specifically of retail transformation. Grab all those key insights on the show notes, like I say. So Q-commerce has been a huge trend, of course, driven somewhat by the pandemic, but it's definitely attracting a huge amount of attention from across the retail industry. It's largely focused on food, but that is expanding and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But depending on where you are based, there are a whole bunch of different suppliers and companies in this Q-commerce space. And in particular, it's a really booming startup space right now. And that is driving a huge amount of innovation. It's driving disruption and it's driving different thinking. You know, some of these companies that are in this space are the likes of Deliveroo, Uber Eats, Just Eat, DoorDash, Instacart, Delivery Hero, Deja, Gorillas, Zap, Jiffy, ASAP, Getir, GoPuff, Joker and Bike. And that is just a few of them. So it's already an incredibly crowded space. And I'm sure this will develop both as new players continue to join the market and make it even more crowded. But at the same time, acquisitions and mergers and maybe even business casualties occur, meaning that that pool of companies depletes somewhat. You could argue that the current Q-commerce trend started in the takeaway food business, as e-commerce really started to disrupt restaurants. 
Now, I think you could also take that slightly further and say, well, actually, takeaway meals was always quick commerce. It's just that you happen to pick up the phone to place your order rather than doing it over a mobile. But I think what QCommerce has done to that whole hospitality space is expand it into classic restaurants, traditionally places that you wouldn't be able to get a takeaway from. And that, of course, has been significantly brought on by the pandemic. But you could also easily argue that the Q-commerce trend has evolved from the age-old need for speed, where customers are demanding for faster everything and companies are striving to fulfil their wishes. And in particular, that race, Amazon started in many ways with their keen eye for customer obsession. They cut delivery times and then, of course, as we all know, they added Amazon Prime and that significantly reset customer expectations when it comes to speed of delivery. And Amazon essentially laid down the gauntlet to other companies to follow, often to negative financial implications, of course. The other interesting thing about the Q commerce trend is just how fast the whole movement is working. No pun intended. But it has quickly gained market share. I've been really quite surprised at the speed of the uptake, especially when you consider just how slowly grocery e-commerce has grown over the past 20 odd years. And I think there's something quite interesting going on here psychologically. Think about when you are placing an e-commerce order as a customer. You're browsing, you click add to cart and you check out and you get a little rush, yeah? A little boost. It's a nice little purchase. You haven't had to exert too much energy into making that purchase, but it does give that positive feeling. But then you have to wait and wait and wait. And that positive feeling obviously degrades until you get a knock on the door or ring at the doorbell or a text saying that your parcel, your order is ready for delivery, it's ready for collection, and here it is. And suddenly you get another little endorphin rush as you open up the box or the bag or whatever it is, and there is your product. But you've got this gap in the middle that does not feel great as a customer. It's where things just drift away and you lose the excitement of the purchase. It allows things like buyer's remorse to set in a little too early, arguably, because you haven't even received the order, right? But now consider Q-commerce. It really feeds off the instant gratification. It blends the thrill of that minimal effort purchase, arguably even an impulse buy, right? A few taps of the thumb. And then in a few minutes time, you get that endorphin rush of receiving a parcel delivery. Woohoo, it's here already. And reducing the time taken between these two psychological highs creates a really addictive shopping experience. And I think that's why we have seen this uptake being significantly faster than other areas. And I think the pandemic, of course, has only supported that. And quick commerce is really driven, of course, by our instantaneous insatiability. We want everything now. The world never stops and I do not want to wait for it, for anything that is. Social media is about what is happening right now. You can instantly refresh and there is more content available. Wonderful. You want to watch TV or entertainment? 
great. It's all on demand. And whether it's YouTube or Netflix or whatever, you've got this huge catalogue ready to watch, whatever you want. And I think when you think about some of these lifestyle aspects and you think about the next generations, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, who are growing up with this instantaneous gratification as standard, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how the Q-commerce space evolves over the next 5, 10, even 20 years. And then think about what's going to happen to human decision making. Are we going to stop planning and live in the moment? Or will there be a bit of a pushback and we go back to the way things used to be in that sort of traditional cyclical nature? Don't know. I'm not sure. I'd love to hear what you think, though. There's loads to think about. But let's get back to Q-commerce because it is happening right here, right now. And it is something that you need to be considering whether it's right for your business. Now, what we've seen in particular over the last couple of years is that Q-commerce has focused primarily on densely populated areas. Now, this has, of course, been enabled by the global trend of urbanisation that we've seen over the last 10 to 20 years where people move into city centres, they move into these close-knit communities, and it creates this densely populated residential area. And this is great, of course, for Q-commerce, because you've got a huge population of customers, and all within really short travel times. So it makes it technically much more feasible to offer short, fast deliveries. Now, Speed certainly seems to be at the core of Q-commerce. I mean, it's right there in the name, right? Quick commerce. But is it? Hold that thought. We'll come back to that in just a few minutes. But when you do think about these ultra-fast deliveries, there are several different formats going on. Most obviously, we've got couriers, delivery people using, in particular, smaller vehicles, bikes, mopeds, scooters, and even on foot. And this is a real shift from the traditional e-commerce vehicle, a van, which in itself was a bit of a shift from the previous delivery vehicle, a truck or a lorry. So we're getting smaller and smaller. And as such, I'd also argue, therefore, that robot deliveries are a core part of the trend and maybe the next big unlock. Companies like Starship Technologies, Amazon with their Scout robot, Cleveron, Neuro, and many more are doing trials and experiments all over the world. We've seen trial towns in the UK like Milton Keynes, or an ongoing pattern of appealing to US university campuses. These robot delivery units seem to attract the public's attention and affection as well. So I think they are here to stay. It's a very interesting area. But also we're starting to see driverless cars becoming more widespread and trials where they're starting to be used for deliveries. Drones are another form of Q-commerce. They've been delivering everything from a cup of coffee to pizzas to urgent medical and pharmaceutical supplies. And this is an area that's particularly interesting as different countries around the world and different companies start to feel their way around what is possible with drones. Understanding the regulations and getting the various aviation authorities to approve 
these units for commercial deliveries. So lots of homework going on there and I'm sure you can probably think about what happens next. But it's not just about ultra fast deliveries of takeaway and groceries and coffee. We've got plenty of other examples outside of food. Argos's fast track four hour deliveries have been around for several years now, offering customers a fast homeware and general merchandise delivery and still pretty market leading. Equally, Amazon Prime Now offers certain customers, depending on location, a selection of products within a two hour delivery window. In addition, we're starting to see ultra fast deliveries expanding into cosmetics and clothing and other categories too. In fact, just before recording this episode, high-end department store Fortnum & Mason announced they are starting to offer quick commerce services. Now, another major shift from the pandemic has been the rise in curbside pickup and click and collect services. And these really are a form of quick commerce. Here in the UK, Toolstation and Screwfix offer collection of tools and DIY and trade products within a handful of minutes, two or three minutes, very quick. And actually Screwfix are now offering a one hour delivery. But perhaps you could extend this quick commerce movement to vending machines too. And perhaps my favorite example here is Carvana, a car vending machine. And if you've not heard or seen about this, then go and have a little Google, just type in car vending machine and see what you find. <laughs> but I think with all of this, it's worth recognizing that quick is relative to the category. It really depends on what the customer expects. Not everything you buy has to be ready in 10 minutes. But I think this should prompt us to think about what QCommerce really means. Earlier, I said that it seems that QCommerce is about speed. But I would argue, is it more about convenience? Is it more about appealing to our lazy side, cutting friction from the whole shopping experience? And it is actually a great example of friction and reward in play. I want some food or I want some drink and I want it now, but I really can't be bothered to get off my sofa or my couch. Ah, a solution. Tap, tap, knock, knock. Ah, it's here. Wonderful. It's cut out all of that friction and you've got the reward left over. Instant gratification. Those two big endorphin rushes, making the purchase and receiving your orders. Very close together. Wow. But I wanted to zoom in and I wanted to think a bit more about the business model of quick commerce. And actually, I would say that there are four different business models available in the market right now. Firstly, we've got what I call the courier. Now, the role here is to move an order from A to B, picking up from perhaps a restaurant or from a shop and taking it to the customer's front door. Deliveroo or DoorDash is a perfect example here. The second business model is what I'm calling the shopper, where actually the role of the Q-commerce company is to go into store and do the shopping and then deliver it. Think Instacart in the US. The third model is what I'm calling the platform, which is only really emerging at present. And perhaps gorillas are leading the way in their collaborations and their partnerships with other retailers. And we'll get onto that in just a moment. But imagine 
Ocado offering their quick commerce, offering Ocado Zoom to their customers. What would that look like? Or what if Amazon Prime Now was fulfilled by Amazon and you could apply to be on their Prime Now? And then the final model is quite simply the retailer. This is a fully loaded operation by the retailer or brand. And it may be an existing retailer or it may be a specific Q-commerce specialist. And in here, this might include dark stores or regular in-store picking. And there's lots of great examples. You've got Sainsbury's with their Chop Chop, an existing supermarket, of course, offering quick commerce. You've got Getter equally, a Q-commerce specialist who also run their own dark stores, their own ranges. And we'll be talking a bit more about Getter in particular and some of the case studies in the next episode. So do make sure that you hit subscribe to come back and join us for part two. But we're not quite done for today just yet. What I think is really interesting about the quick commerce space as well is partnerships. Partnerships are a really important consideration here. In fact, out of those four business models, the courier, the shopper, the platform, and the retailer, three of them, the first three, all depend on collaborating and working and partnering with another company. You know, companies like Deliveroo are working with so many different retailers and so many different restaurants as well, of course, that it forms a key part of the business, particularly as that Q-commerce percent of total revenue expands. I think in the grocery space, for me, Gorillas are the startup that are really making the waves here. They've partnered with Tesco in the UK, France's Casino Group, and recently they announced they are working with Germany's Douglas as they expand out of food and into beauty. But I also mentioned that we'll start to see acquisitions and mergers happening. And I think this is going to be key as the market evolves. We've already started to see some of these different Q-commerce companies buying each other. For example, Getir bought Wheezy recently. And Delivery Hero are also looking to expand through this strategy. But I think Target are a great example of, of course, a big existing retailer that are buying smaller startups in the Q-commerce space. They bought Deliv and Shipped recently, and now they are looking to connect the dots in their own ecosystem and their own architecture with the unique propositions from Deliv and Shipped to make sure that they are leading the way both in terms of their own quick commerce, but also offering quick commerce as a service. It sets themselves up as a platform, right? And it's interesting, as we start to see some consolidation of this space, we can look to other areas of the world that are more developed in the Q-commerce space. And in particular, I'm going to look to China, where it's much more established than here in the UK or in the US. There are two front runners in China, Meituan and Ole Moi, with a joint share of over 98% of the Q-commerce market between them. Now, of course, you could argue that there is not enough competition when there are just two big front runners like that that are so dominating in the marketplace. But I do think where we are, certainly in the UK and in the US, with this plethora of startup companies and huge amounts of investment cash pouring in, I'm sure we'll see more players coming in, but I think this consolidation is important 
as you start to think about customers making choices about their preferred supplier. Now we're gonna take a little pause in this conversation right now. And of course, we'll continue on in part two in the next episode, where we'll be starting to zoom in on a bit of a case study, as well as understanding the operating model of QCommerce and the key considerations that must form into that. We'll also be looking at a number of challenges that you've got to consider both as you move into quick commerce, but also how quick commerce could evolve in the future. So do make sure that you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and do make sure that you join us for the next episode. But if you cannot wait for that one, then here are another couple of episodes to check out right now. Firstly, try episode 167, number 167, which featured a number of special guests diving into 2022's retail trends and watchouts. And in particular, quick commerce was a frequent topic there. So do check that one out, episode 167. And I also thought you might like episode 160 called Stores Versus Online, which is best. And I think you could definitely take some of that mentality. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but you could definitely take some of that mentality into this whole quick commerce commercial decision, really. So do go and check those out. And I will put references to those on the show notes today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 169. That's obandco.uk slash 169. And whilst you're over there, of course, do sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. And in that weekly briefing, Q-commerce is a regular topic showing just how that market is evolving. So do continue to stay up with the evolving world of Q-commerce as part of the Retail Transformation Briefing too. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I look forward to your feedback on this episode, but most importantly, I'll see you in the next episode to continue our dive into Q-commerce, part two, coming soon. Bye for now.